say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Have I learned so far? I've learned that I can change my life. At Learn for Life, we believe all students should have access to a free quality education. Learn for Life connects students and parents with resources in their area where they experience a personalized learning approach to education. With free support services such as tutoring and career readiness programs, Learn for Life will provide options to help students and parents succeed. Check us out on the web at www.learn4life.org or call us at 1-877-360-LEARN, 877-360-5327. Experience Learn for Life. The station that leaves no listener behind. This is 1050 AM. Serving Riverside, San Bernardino, KCAA, Loma Linda. KCAA Radio now joins the Sunday morning worship services of the Pruitt Baptist Church in Van, Texas, with Pastor David McNary. Matthew chapter 1 will be our scripture for today. I have a really good friend who is a missionary, and... Uh, some time ago, she was sharing a story with me as she was working with some children locally, and she was talking to them about the real meaning of Christmas. And when she asked the children what Christmas was all about, one little girl responded, God's only forgotten son. Now that's cute, isn't it? Yeah, not so much, is it? You know, whenever we realize that we should... It should bring a tear to our eye because it's so true in our materialistic culture, in our materialistic society, uh, because people have forgotten the reason for Christmas. What's Christmas all about? It's about Christ. It's about Jesus. Just like we talked to the children uh, a while ago. Christmas is to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. But He has somehow been replaced Kids got it all right. By Santa, he's been replaced by presents, and he has been replaced by commercialism. Listen, I I, I feel sorry for for uh, the people uh, the people who have businesses who are Christians because they are caught in a balance. How do I advertise and how do I bring people into my business? They know that this is the the best time of the year for them to be able to make money? And how do they stand on their Christian faith? How do they do that? How do they put things in the right perspective? Well, it's a hard thing for them to do, but you know what? If they do it right, they are benefited more greatly than those who just become totally commercial and leave Christ out of Christmas. You see, Jesus has been relegated in this time of the year to the position of God's only forgotten son. Now, of course, you and I know the scripture that the uh, that our young friend was uh, was making reference to. It's found over in John chapter three and verse sixteen. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, not forgotten Son. He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Folks, the one and only gift of life must never be forgotten. You and I as, as believers in Christ have a responsibility to be sure that everybody else knows that Jesus Christ is the Savior. He is the Savior of the world. So our responsibility is great making Christ the main focus 
of Christmas. Now, I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to challenge you. Four days from now, Thursday, Christmas Day, I'm going to challenge you. You do your very best to make Christ the focus of that day in your home, wherever you are, if you're with family. Be sure not to leave Jesus Christ out of your Christmas wherever you are on Christmas Day. Amen. People today are so distracted. We're distracted in more ways and by more things. You know, there's the more stuff you, you the more stuff you get, the more easily distracted you are. Um, my wife and I, <clears throat> my wife and I, this week moved into the 21st century. We are both the proud owners of smartphones. <laughs> Somehow or another, that thing's even got internet stuff on it. Okay. Not only that, but when we got our smartphones, they gave us a tablet. Y'all know what a tablet is? I thought it was something you took when you were sick. But it's got all kinds of stuff on it. Listen, we're so confused. You can sit down with one of those smartphones, one of those tablets or that computer thing, you know. You can sit down there and just going to look up something on Google or Bing. Bing. See, I even know about Bing. You didn't know that, did you? You can look stuff up, and you know what? The next thing you know, you look at the clock, and it's time for lunch. And you started right after breakfast. What I'm saying is that we have more things to distract us today than ever before in the history of the world. So we have to be careful. We have to be on our guard that we don't let those things... Take away all of our energy and take away all of our time and distract us away from God's only forgotten Son. God's only begotten Son. Notice Matthew chapter 1 verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found the child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example was minded to put her away privily or privately. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he, by the way, it's he alone, shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph being raised from his sleep did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him and took unto him his wife and knew her not until she had brought forth her firstborn son and he called his name Jesus. He did what he was told to do. He named him. He named him Jesus. Now I want us to notice very briefly three things that is demonstrated by this passage of Scripture. We're going to, by the way, we're going to intermingle the John 3.16 passage since our, since our lesson today, our study today is based on the fact that he is God's only forgotten son. Look what's demonstrated here. First of all, Love, God's love is demonstrated in this passage of Scripture. The Scripture says in verse 21, For He shall save His people from their sins. Now, that means that God is going to look at us differently than we're willing to look at one another. Because you see, if someone does something wrong, we think they ought to be judged for it, don't we? Well, God knows that we're all sinners, and because we're sinners, we deserve His judgment, and yet... He came to us. He demonstrated his love to us by sending his son, Jesus Christ, by coming to earth, God with us, Emmanuel, to save his people from their sins. Listen, we deserve the cross, not Jesus. And yet Jesus went to the cross for us so that we might be, so that we might be privileged to be saved. That scripture that we read a while ago in John 3.16, For God so loved the world. What is the world talking about there? Is it talking about just the globe? No, it's not talking about the globe. 
He so loved all humankind. He so loved all humanity. All of those that he has created and placed upon this earth. Because he loved us. Because he loved us. He came to our rescue. That love is what caused him to send his son, Jesus the Christ, into a sinful world. Folks, God looked with great love upon the inhabitants of this world. Those who were deceived, desperate, and destined to self-destruct. I don't know if you've ever thought about that before. But we've been deceived, you know, throughout all of our lives. Until we come to know Christ, we've been deceived. We were desperate. Have you ever just walked around in desperation, just wondering, fretting and worried about what you're going to do next? What am I going to do? How am I going to handle this? What's going to happen to me? Uh, what shall we do after Jesus spoke to the people? What shall we do? Or, uh, I mean, after Peter spoke to the people in, Act, in the book of Acts, what shall we do? We've done all of this to Jesus. What shall we do now? And yet Jesus, God sent Jesus, and he came to take the initiative to save his people from their sins. Romans chapter 5 and verse 8 says, But God commendeth his love toward us in that, now get this please, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You see, he didn't wait for us to get good enough. And the reason is because we can't get good enough. He knew that. He knew that of us. He knew that we were sinners and that we were destined to a devil's hell. But he loved us and he came to our rescue. He loved this world of sinners. And God sent the very best. The one who has the keys to heaven and eternal life. Folks, his love must not be forgotten. He must not become God's only forgotten son. The second thing that I want you to notice that this scripture talks about is God's gift. God's gift. Verse 23 says that she shall bring forth a son, Emmanuel, God with us. Okay. She shall bring forth a son. His name shall be called Emmanuel. And that means God with us. For God so loved the world that he gave. Did you see that? That he gave. Listen, I want to tell you something. When you love, you give. They're, they're interrelated. They're, they're connected. They're connected. When you love God, you give unto God. Now, I'm not talking about your monetary stuff. That's that God uses that however he wants to, and he's got all of it anyway. Some of it, sometimes we just keep it in our wallet. But, but God has it. He owns it. He made it all. And everything that is, everything that exists is his. So we're all, we all belong to him. But here is God who is giving. He is the source. Now, listen, think about him. He is God, the source of, of right and wrong. He's the only way we can know right from wrong. Did you know that? You say, well, now wait a minute, preacher. I have a conscience. Yeah, but you can sure mess that thing up. I'll guarantee you there are some people <clears throat> who are in prison today who think that everything's fine with them. And yet they've never come to know Christ as in the forgiveness of sin as personal Savior and Lord. They think what they did was okay. You see, we, we can mess our conscience up so much that we can justify things in our own mind that are illegal or immoral, that are wrong. God is the source of right and wrong, the only source of right and wrong. And He is the epitome of justice. He is the only righteous judge. And yet, He looked directly at our sin and he compassionately gave the only gift which could possibly satisfy his justice. He's the only one who could satisfy his justice. He is the Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. The writer of Hebrews reminds us in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 22, all things are by the law purged with blood. Now he's a God of justice. He's a God of judgment. Sin requires judgment. And yet he tells us, uh, and, he, and he tells us that that uh, that judgment must be satisfied; it must be purged with blood. And he says, without the shedding of blood is no remission. You see, there's no other way for a person to be saved except through faith in Jesus Christ, because he gave his blood. The Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews that he took his blood and he put his own blood on the mercy seat in glory in heaven. And that satisfies the justice and the judgment 
of his heavenly father, almighty God. Folks, the gift that God gave not only included a miraculous birth, but also a most cruel of deaths was a true sacrifice. And his gift must not be forgotten. Jesus Christ must not be the only forgotten son of God. The third thing that's taught here is, is a matter of faith. It's a matter of faith. Verse 24 says, Then Joseph did as the angel had bidden him. Joseph did as the angel had, had bidden him. Now I want you to I want you to look at that. <clears throat> I want you to look at that. Um, it took a lot of faith on Joseph's part, by the way, just in case you hadn't noticed. Uh, because it says that when his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child. You see that? Now, according to the law, according to the Old Testament, she could have been stoned. Publicly stoned for being having a, a, a carrying a child out of wedlock. She could have been stoned. I want to tell you something that took a lot of faith. But the angel of the Lord came to Joseph. The angel was very convincing. The angel told Joseph who the baby would be, that it was the son of God, the child, the child of God. And so he did what was right. You see, he believed God. Now I want to tell you something. In your lifetime, there may come a time when God will come to you and share with you in, in whatever way. Sometimes he uses a lot of, most of the time he uses the word of God to reveal to you his will and his plan for your life, something that he wants you to do. And sometimes it takes a lot of faith to do it. Amen. It takes a lot of faith to step out and to move forward when you absolutely don't know where you're going. So you have to step out by faith. Listen, Joseph did that. He moved by faith. He did exactly with the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. He did exactly what the angel told him to do. And the angel, by the way, was the spokesman. He was a spokesman for God. He was a spokesman for God. The word angelos in the Greek language means a herald. Someone who, who preaches can be a herald, a, a preacher of the gospel. He was an angel. He was a messenger from God. Folks, the Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. It took a great deal of faith for Joseph to do what the angel said. Let me just say today that the key to forgiveness for sin and the release from guilt and the key to everlasting life is faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. It's how we get there, you see. You have to believe that Jesus died on a cross. You have to believe that Jesus was buried in a tomb. And you have to believe that on the third day, Jesus rose up from the dead. Now, I think it's, I think it's interesting when I go back to that, to that scene in my mind and, and I, I've been to one of those tombs that had the round stone that rolls in front whenever it was in the Holy Land. Uh, brother, brother Rick had the privilege uh, to go uh, this past year. And so we've been there. We've seen it. And listen, I want to tell you something. The scripture never says that the that the angel came and rolled away the stone so Jesus could come out. Now you'll sing songs about it and you'll you'll hear it stated that way, 
But I want to tell you something. Jesus came out of the tomb. It didn't matter if the stone was there or not. Okay? It says, it says that there was an earthquake. There was a, a rumbling in the earth. And I want to tell you something. I think that those two guards that were standing by the door were standing there in shock. The Bible says that whenever the late, the women came, they were, they were just petrified, you know, not literally, but, but, but figuratively, they couldn't, they couldn't move. You know why? Because they saw Jesus come through the rock. That's why he came out. He came out of that tomb. They didn't have to roll the stone away so he could come out. He is God's only begotten son. And you have to believe that he died and he rose from the dead in order to be saved. That's impossible. Can you believe that? Yeah, we believe it. You just have to choose. You have to make that choice to believe that Jesus is God's only begotten son. You have to have faith in Jesus. He has the power to save your sinful soul. I want to turn your attention over to the book of uh, the book of John in chapter uh, in chapter one, <clears throat> and listen to what he says. In the beginning was the Word. By the way, that's Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. That was Jesus. He was involved. He. He, he and the Heavenly Father participated uh, in, in creation together. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Now look down, if you will, a few verses to verse 11. The Scripture says, He came unto His own, and His own received Him not. But as many as received Him, he came unto his own, his own people, the Jewish people, the Hebrews. He came unto his own and his own received him not. They rejected him. He didn't fit their preconceived notion about what the king uh, of heaven would be like, the king of kings would be like. But as many as received him, to them gave you power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Born of God. Not anything that we can do. We can't save ourselves, folks. You can't be good enough. You can't keep, you can't keep the Ten Commandments. You know, there's a lot of people say, well, I had an uncle. <clears throat> I had an uncle try to talk to him about having faith in Christ one time. And he said, oh, no, no. He said, in order to be saved, you have to keep the Ten Commandments. Well, if he really believed that, if that's really true, then I want to tell you something. He ain't in heaven. Because he didn't. Okay? He didn't. He wasn't a commandment keeper. I'm grateful today that it's not about keeping the Ten Commandments or any of the other uh, of the, any of the other laws that we read about in the Old Testament. It's not about that. It's about Jesus Christ. By the law is the knowledge of sin. It's our schoolmaster. It teaches us our need for a Savior, and Jesus Christ is the one and only Savior of the world. And if you'll receive Him through faith, He'll give to you the power to become the sons of God. You have to believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Folks, he is not God's only forgotten son. He's God's only begotten son. Amen. And don't forget him because he is the only, the one and only way that any person can ever get to heaven. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now listen, please listen. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. There's no way to get to heaven except through Jesus Christ. No way. No way. Not any other way. Only one way. And Jesus, Jesus is the way. My friend, if you're here today and you've never really understood the true message of the Christmas story of God's love coming down to you to reveal himself to you so you might believe in him. If you've never understood it until today then please 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 pay attention as the spirit of god speaks to your heart i'm going to tell you what he'll do to you i'm going to tell you what he'll do to you if you're here today and you're still living in your sin if you've not trusted christ your personal savior and lord what he'll do to you is he'll make you so uneasy that you'll not be able to stand it. you'll not be able to stand it 
I can remember sitting on the back pew in that, in that church in Abilene, Texas, and I can remember grabbing hold of the pew in front of me, and I still think there's fingernail marks in that pew. I held on for dear, can't call it dear life, for dear death, you see. I held on. I, I didn't want to turn loose. I didn't want to admit. You know what that was? That was my pride. That's what it was. Listen, there's pride sends more people to hell than any other thing. That was my pride. I didn't want anybody to know that I wasn't a Christian. I'd gone to church all my life. I just never believed in Jesus, you see. I had never realized that a person could be saved through simple faith in the name of Jesus Christ. And God makes it simple so that any of us and all of us can understand. If you're here today and you've never understood the true meaning of Christmas, I pray that today would be the day that you would surrender and give your heart and your life to Jesus Christ. My friend, you may be one of those who's forgotten about Christ in Christmas, or maybe you've, you've replaced God's Son with a busy schedule. <laughs> Anybody have a busy schedule? It's easy for us to replace God's Son with a busy schedule, isn't it? And we just get, we just get so involved. Listen, don't let this happen this year. Don't get so involved in going and shopping and buying and doing and, 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 and thinking about. And, you know, <clears throat> put your fingers in the air, will you? My wife. My wife plans everything. She'll, I, we'll be sitting there and she'll say, now I got to do, and I got to have, and I got to have this and we need to get, you know. And we'll sit there another 30 minutes. She'll say, now, now i got to do this, and i got to have this, and we're going to have to fix this. And, and she's a planner, okay? But let me tell you something about my wife. She knows how to plan and keep Christ in all of it, okay? It can be, what I'm saying is it can be done. You can have a busy schedule, and while you're doing your busy schedule, rejoice in what God has done. In coming here to give to you and to me Life forever and ever and ever. One of these days we're going to depart this old world. And I don't know about you, but I'm going to be in glory instantly. I hope you'll be with us. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you, Lord, that you sent your son, Jesus, born of a virgin, to live a perfect life, to die a cruel death. To be buried and rise again from the dead. Thank you, Lord, that we have the promise of the resurrection. But, Father, thank you most of all that you sent your love to us so that we might know that we could be saved through simple faith in Jesus. Father, I pray for those who are not saved today, who have never called upon the name of the Lord, maybe never understood the real meaning of the Christmas story. I pray, Father, they'll go away from here with a clear understanding, but I also pray they'll go away from here with a brand new Lord, the Savior of the world, Jesus Christ, in their heart. Speak to us now, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Brother Terry, what song? <coughs> Number 478. Let me invite you to stand with us. We're going to sing on this song. But listen, if God has spoken to your heart, please don't do what I did. Please don't grab the back of the pew and just hang on. Just turn loose. Step out from wherever you are. You say, well, I'm in the middle of the aisle and they won't let me out. Yes, they will. They'll gladly let you out. If you need to be saved today, please, please come to this altar. Come and call upon the name of the Lord. I'll show you. I'll lead you through the, through the scripture as to how you can be saved today. And you'll go away from here rejoicing that knowing that one day, one day, you'll be in glory with God forever and ever and ever. You are listening to the Sunday morning worship services of the Pruitt Baptist Church in Van, Texas with Pastor David McNary. Last Sunday I preached a message titled The Recipe for Salvation. The Recipe for Salvation. And uh, today I want to speak on the subject. It's a question. Who is a Christian? Who is a Christian? What does it take for us to represent Christ and to be called to be called Christian. Now, 
in the early church, in the early New Testament church, there were a lot of changes that took place. There were a lot of things going on. There was a lot of persecution uh, coming along. And so they were trying to figure it all out in, that, in, that, in those early years of the, of the Christian church. But one of the changes that came along early on was a title change. It was a title change. Look with me, if you will, in the book of Acts chapter 11. Acts chapter 11, where we see this, uh, this change, this one change that took place. In Acts chapter 11, beginning in verse 19, listen as we read down through verse 26. Now they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word to none but unto the Jews only. Okay, that tells you a little bit, gives you a little bit of background here. And some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which when they were come to Antioch, spake unto the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them. And a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. Then tidings of these things came unto the ears of the church, which was in Jerusalem. And they sent forth Barnabas that he should go as far as Antioch, who when he came and had seen the grace of God was glad and exhorted them all that with purpose of heart they would cleave or cling unto the Lord. For he was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost, talking about Barnabas, and of faith. And much people was added unto the Lord. Then departed Barnabas to Tarsus for to seek Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him, uh, brought him unto Antioch. And it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. And listen, and the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. And the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. Now, would you call yourself a Christian today? I want you to think about that. Would you call yourself a Christian today? Most people today, whenever you walk up to them, if you ask them, are you a Christian? Yes, I'm a Christian. Well, what does it take to be a Christian? What does it mean to be a Christian? Do you know what the word Christian means? It means Christ-like, okay? So now then, let me ask you a question again. Uh, would you consider yourself a Christian are you Christ-like? Now, I want to tell you something. Early on in those days, that title, Christian, really meant something, okay? It really meant something. If you take a look at these scriptures, these people who were previously called disciples, there according to verse 26, they were previously called disciples, and sometimes we call ourselves disciples of Christ, but they were previously called disciples they were called Christians. Now, it doesn't say that they decided to call themselves Christians. I think it's very, I think this is a very important point. I think it's a critical thing for us to realize they weren't called Christians by each other. They were called Christians by non-Christians, okay? Somebody was looking around and they said, hey, these folks are different from us. How are they different? Well, they were noticing the ways that they were different. These folks are different from us, and they claim that they are following this, this, uh, this Christ guy, and they were following him, but they're different. Whatever it is that's going on, it's making them different from everybody else. Now, folks, as a Christian, you need to be different from everybody else. There needs to be a noticeable difference. It's easy for us to call ourselves Christians, but when it really means something is when somebody else that you don't know, somebody else that, uh, that might, might not be a Christian, when they call you Christian, they realize that there is a difference. There's something going on that makes you different from everybody else. Now, that needs to be true in our lives. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says... Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. He is a new creation. Old things are passed away. The old lifestyle, the way of handling business before. Behold, all things are become new. You see, when you become a child of God, whenever you become a Christian, there is a change, a transformation. There is a difference. A 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Difference in your life. So, if you're a true Christian, then you have faith to believe in some things. I ask the question... Who is a Christian? Well, let's answer it. Number one, a Christian is one who believes the unbelievable. If you want to call yourself a Christian, you have to be willing to believe the unbelievable. Over in the book of Matthew, chapter 1, listen to these words. Verse 18, now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph... Before they came together, there was no intimacy. Before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Uh, Then down in verse 23, it says, As the angel was speaking to Joseph, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Key word there, virgin. Okay, he's talking about a virgin. We're talking about a real, true, honest-to-goodness virgin, I'd never been with a man before, and she is with child. Listen, if you're going to be a Christian today, you have to believe the unbelievable because that's unbelievable. I mean, it just doesn't happen that way, you see, except with God. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says, For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. He made Jesus to be sin for us. Jesus never sinned. That's unbelievable, is it not? And yet in order for us to come to really believe and trust in Jesus Christ, we have to believe that reality. You see, if he had sinned, he would have not been the perfect sacrifice, the provision for our sin. He could not have stood in our place for us. Or what about this? Romans chapter 10 verse 9 says, If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. What? Raised him from the dead? Are we talking about a guy that that really died? You know, all of his his, uh, bodily functions ceased? Brain waves went away? Is that what we're talking about? Yeah, that's what we're talking about. He really died and they buried him. And yet he rose again from the dead. That's unbelievable. Unbelievable. We don't see that happening. Now you say, well, wait a minute, preacher. I heard the other day about this doctor and the guy died and the doctor brought him back to life. Not three days later, folks. Sorry about that. I I like that. Devin, you know, works in the medical field. He got tickled about that. You know what I'm talking about, right? It's real. It's true. It's unbelievable. You can't, just, you can't just believe that these things happen. And all of these things, all these unbelievable things, they're unbelievable to the natural mind because we know a little bit about how those things work. And yet for a person to be called Christian, you have to believe the unbelievable. You have to believe the unbelievable. The Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You're saved by faith. You have to, faith is another word for believe. You have to believe the unbelievable. The second thing I want you to notice is a Christian is one who does the impossible. Any of you lately been doing the impossible? You probably haven't, didn't think about it as being impossible, you see. I think it's an interesting uh, subject, and I heard some of this one time a long time ago by, by a, a, a preacher out of California named Manuel Scott, but he, he was talking about some of these things, and it really caused my mind to begin to, to generate. When a person is born into this human existence, there are many things he cannot do. Number one, you cannot choose whether or not to be born. 
Stop to think about it. Anybody here to get to choose when you were, or choose the fact that you were going to be born? You can't choose when to be born. Do you think that I, do you think that I chose February the 23rd or, or, or what's today? September the 28th. Do you think that Miss Joan chose September the 28th to be born? We didn't get to choose, did we? If we'd got to choose, then I would have been born after her. <laughs> which would make me which would make me not older, but I am, okay. <laughs> All right. I don't know where I was going with that now. All right. We can't choose our parents. You know, I've I've this this actually troubles me once in a while. Why is it that I was privileged to be born in this great land with the parents that I had when somebody else is born somewhere else with mean and hateful parents? You know, if you'll, if you'll stop and think about that a little bit, it'll cause you to give gratefulness and thanks to God. Because he's the one that made that possible. We don't get to choose who our parents are or whether or not or how many siblings we have. That's not, our, that's not within the realm of our, our choice. But in spiritual sense, okay, you get to do the impossible, all right? In a spiritual sense, you can choose whether or not to be born again. To be born into the family of God. That's a, that's a choice. He gave us free choice. He gave us free will to choose. You can choose uh, to some degree when to be born again. Now, he says that, uh, that uh, now is the accepted time and today is the day of salvation. You need to understand that. There is a time that God calls you. There is a time when God speaks to you. And it is important to hear his voice and make your choice at the time that God is speaking to you, okay? Because under uh, understanding the scripture, it says that there will come a time when the Holy Spirit will no longer seek you out, okay? Now, we pray that that never happens to anyone, but I know, uh, in fact, I was, I was uh, talking to a guy one day and asked him if he were a Christian, and uh, he said, no, I'm not. And I said, well, wouldn't you like to be a Christian? And he said, he said I can't. And I said, why do you say you can't? God loves you. He cares about you. He said, because the Holy Spirit doesn't speak to my heart anymore. I've rejected him so many times. I've rejected him so often that he doesn't. He said, I don't ever feel any conviction at all anymore. I can't. I've reached the place where I can't be saved. Well, is that true? I don't know. Was he trying to get rid of me? Probably. But, but that's what he said. Listen. We can choose that our Father is God and that our brothers and sisters are other believers or other Christians. John 1 verse 12 says, As many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them who believe on his name. And listen, I want to tell you something else. You get to choose the place, you get to choose the place where you're going to live eternally. Amen. We get to choose to go and to be with God in heaven. Forever and ever and ever, you see. Now there are many things, many other things, which are impossibilities in the natural realm, but they become possibilities in the spiritual realm. Jesus said, "Listen to this. This this is a. I mean, this sounds like an impossibility to me." Matthew chapter five, verse forty-four. He said, "Jesus said, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you.'" Pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. That sounds like an impossibility. Is it really possible? Certainly it is. Paul says, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. All those things that are included within the will and the authority of Almighty God. Number three, a Christian is one who attains the unattainable. One who attains the unattainable. Listen to these contrasts. God is holy. Man is sinful. God is righteous. Man is unrighteous. God is just. Man is a lawbreaker. Are those things true? 
They are certainly, certainly true. And because of these truths, the Bible says that between man and God is set a great chasm. It, it is, a, it is a, a, a canyon that has no bottom. It, it goes on forever and ever, you see. And this great chasm is set between us and God. We can't jump across it. We can't fly across it. We can't reach across it. But we are privileged to attain the unattainable. And the way that that happens is through faith in Jesus Christ. Romans 8, 1 and 2 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free. Amen. Hath made me free from the law of sin and death. I want to tell you something. You're privileged through faith in Jesus Christ to attain the unattainable. You see, you're going to arrive on the other side because you're with Jesus. He can get it done. He'll get you there. You will arrive safely across the chasm in the very presence of Almighty God as a result of your faith and your relationship with Jesus Christ. Number four, a Christian is one, okay, who sees the invisible. A Christian is one who sees the invisible. Listen to these contrasts. Number one, a non-Christian looks at nature. A non-Christian looks at nature. He sees beauty, yeah. He sees the mountains. He sees the canyons. He sees the trees and the flowers, the moon and the sun and the clouds, uh, the rain and the snow and all of those things. A Christian looks at nature and sees God. Think about it. You look at nature and you see God. The other, the other afternoon I was driving down the road going towards the west and I looked up. And I want you to know there was a, there was a sunset. Oh my goodness, I wish you had been with me. I was worshiping the Lord. It took my breath away, I'm telling you. And, and the thing about it is... God can do that every day, you know. He can do that every day. And I just, I just recognize and realize uh, the magnitude of, of, who, of who God is. When a non-Christian reads the Bible, he reads words. Yeah, you can't understand it. It's all, it's all, it's all strange. He, he, he sees stories in the, in the Bible. He sees some history, and, or maybe he thinks it's all myth. You can't ever tell, depending on... The person, but but when a Christian reads the Bible, he sees God. <laughs> this is God's story. Did you know that? This is God's story. In this book, God reveals to you everything he wants you to know about him. <laughs> but you have to read it. <laughs> I mean, you have to read it. Uh, don't wait on the movie to come out, okay? Read the Word of God. And when you read God's Word, you will see God. You will see Him in His fullness and in His glory. You'll see that He loves you and you'll see the power of God unto salvation. Romans chapter 1 verse 16. The power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. To everyone, everyone that believes. The Christian has eyes to see the invisible. Listen to Hebrews 11, as the scripture tells us this. By faith, Abraham looked. (laughs) All right? He was looking. He wanted to see what? The invisible. By faith, Abraham looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. And with the others, he died in faith, Not having received the promises, but having seen them. What promises? The covenant promises. The fact that God had promised that he would send Messiah. He wasn't there when Messiah, Abraham wasn't there when Messiah came. But he was able to see them, it says, having seen them afar off where God hath prepared for them a city. Can you see heaven? 
Not today. Anybody here looked into heaven? You can read about it. John, John saw it. John was privileged in the book of the Revelation to tell us a little bit about heaven. How did John describe heaven? You remember the things that he says about the streets of gold and the, and the gates of pearl and, and the fact that there was no sun or moon, God was the light, and all those kind of things. Listen, I want to tell you something. John just did the best that he could because I don't think you can tell about heaven in human terminology. <laughs> Now, we want to think that, uh, you know, we've got it all figured out, but I want to tell you something. Heaven is going to be beyond anything that you could possibly imagine on this earth. You don't have the mind to be able to understand what it's all going to be like. But listen, it's going to be out of this... Oh, (laughs) did I just say that? Out of this world, gorgeous and beautiful, and beyond anything that we can imagine, listen... Your best day on earth is going to be wor- is going to be is not going to be near as good as your worst day in heaven because I don't think there's going to be any bad days in heaven. A Christian is one who has to be willing to see the invisible. All of this comes about as a result of faith. Who is a Christian? A Christian is a person who enters into a relationship with Jesus Christ through faith, whose life has been changed by. God's grace. Now, I, I, I wanted to include all of that, just like we were uh, quoting out of, out of uh, uh, Romans uh, chapter uh, 8 and verses 1 and 2 a while ago. You see, it's very critical. We talked about this, this in our Sunday school class this morning. It's very critical that your life be different. Okay? These, these disciples were called Christians first at Antioch because the other people looking at them said there's something different about them. They are what we hear about Christ. They are like him. They are like him. Now, folks, the way you live your life represents whether or not you are a Christian. Now, if you say, I'm not a Christian and you still live a good life, then that's okay. That's a good life for you, but you're not going to get to heaven. All right? But if you say you're a Christian <laughs> and you don't live for Jesus, then you're still going to be in the, probably going to be in the same boat because God says that there's going to be a difference once you give your heart and your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. A person is called a Christian because he's Christ-like. Listen to the poem. Could I be called a Christian if everybody knew my secret thoughts and feelings and everything I do? Oh, could they see the likeness of Christ in me each day? Oh, could they hear him speaking in every word I say? Could I be called a Christian if everyone could know that I am found in places where Jesus would not go? Oh, could they hear his echo in every song I sing in eating, drinking, dressing? Could they see Christ in me? Could I be called a Christian if judged by what I read, by all my recreation and every thought and deed? Could I be counted Christ-like as I now work and pray on selfish, kind, forgiving to others every day? You see, people aren't going to call you a Christian if you're not living for Christ. If your life is not a Christ-like life. Father, I pray that, Lord, you'll remind us each and every one every day that we need to live our lives Christ-like. God, you've revealed him to us. You've shown us who he is through your word. You've shown us how he lived. You've taught us and encouraged us and instructed us. And dear Father, you've caused us to come to the place where we can believe and many have believed and know him as Savior and Lord. Father, help us daily to develop our relationship with Christ and help us daily to develop our relationship with others around us by showing them Christ-likeness. Now, Father, speak to our hearts today there's a person here today who doesn't know Jesus, I pray that today will be the day that they'll come and trust in him as Savior and Lord. Father, if there are Christians here today who haven't been living for Jesus, I pray that today by the power of your Spirit you'll speak to their hearts 
and that you'll give them the faith to believe and the courage to, to make their stand once again with the Lord. Now, Father, speak to our hearts right now. I ask in Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to the Sunday morning worship services of the Pruitt Baptist Church in Van, Texas with Pastor David McNary. A podcast of the service is available on demand at the KCAA website at www.kcaaradio.com. To listen to the service at any time, go to the KCAA Sunday schedule and click the podcast link under the image of Pastor McNary. The Pruitt Baptist Church is located at 9908 State Highway 110 in Van, Texas. The Sunday worship schedule includes Bible study at 9.45 a.m., morning worship at 11 a.m., and evening worship at 6 p.m. For more information about the Pruitt Baptist Church, visit their website at www.pruittbaptistchurch.com or call 903-963-7473. We now invite you to enjoy some great gospel music for the remainder of the hour right here on KCAA Loma Linda, California, the station that leaves no listener behind.
You've been listening to the greatest gospel music of all time, right here on KCAA Loma Linda, California, the station that leaves no listener behind. The station that leaves no listener behind. This is 1050 AM, serving Riverside, San Bernardino, KCAA Loma Linda. In 1972, I was part of a nationwide campaign that came close to getting the U.S. Senate to reject Earl Butts, Richard Nixon's choice for Secretary of Agriculture. A coalition of grassroots farmers, consumers, and public interest organizations teamed up with progressive senators to undertake the almost impossible challenge of defeating the cabinet nominee. The 51-44 to Senate vote was so close because we were able to expose Butts as, well, as Butt Ugly. We brought the abusive power of corporate agribusiness into the public consciousness for the first time. We had won a moral victory, but it turned out to be a curse and a blessing. First, the curse. Butts had risen to prominence in the world of agriculture by devoting himself to the corporate takeover of the global food economy. He openly promoted the preeminence of middlemen food manufacturers over family farmers. Agriculture is no longer a way of life, he barked. It's a business. He instructed farmers to get big or get out, and proceeded to shove tens of thousands of them out by promoting an export-based, corporate-run food economy. Adapt, he warned, or die. The ruination of farms and rural communities, Butts added, releases people to do something useful in our society. This is Jim Hightower saying, the curse of Butts, however, spun off a blessing. Small farmers and food artisans practically threw up at the resulting twinkieization of America's food. They were sickened that nature's own contribution to human culture was being turned into another plasticized product of corporate profiteers. They threw themselves into creating and sustaining a viable alternative, linking locally with consumers, environmentalists, community activists, marketers, and others. The Good Food Rebellion has since sprouted, spread, and blossomed from coast to coast. To find farmers' markets and other expressions of this movement right where you live, go to localharvest.org. This is KCAA. Empire Talks Back. The attitude that, well, the little guy cannot win uh, seems to prevail despite the fact that over time we've seen that the little guy, if he is persistent, he becomes the big guy. Empire Talks Back. No, it's because maybe people figure out a little knowledge is like smoke. It leads to the fire. Empire Talks Back. I think this this drive for equality, this drive for justice uh, is gathering steam as opposed to fading out. I think more and more people realize the importance of uh, the freedoms that America represents. Empire Talks Back with Wallace Allen and Friends, Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. on AM 1050 KCAA. KCAA is proud to announce another new service for all North American listeners. Now you can listen to our station on your telephone by calling us at 832-999-1050. Our service is available on any standard telephone, cell phone, or smartphone. Simply call 832-999-1050. That's 832-999-1050. Standard cell phone rates may apply. Thank you, Inland Empire, for listening to KCAA Radio. You're You're listening listening to an encore encore presentation of this program on AM 1050 KCAA, the Inland Talk Express. Helps Weight Loss Club Show. You know I love that organic cooking. I always ask for more. And they call me Mr. Natural. On down to the health food store. I only eat good sea salt. White sugar don't touch my lips. And my friends is always begging me to take them on macrobiotic trips. Yes, they are. But at night I take out my strong box. Then I keep under lock and key. And I take it off to my closet where nobody else can see. I open that lid so slowly, take a peek up north, down south. Then I pull out a hostess Twinkie and I pop it in my mouth. In the daytime, I'm Mr. Natural, just as healthy as I can be. But at night, I'm a junk food junkie. Good Lord, have pity on me. 
at lunchtime, you can always find me at the whole earth of vitamin bar. Just sucking on my plain white yogurt from my hand-thrown pottery jar. And sipping a little hand-pressed cider with a carrot stick for dessert. And wiping my face in a natural way on the sleeve of my peasant shirt. Yes, I do. Uh, but when that clock strikes midnight and I'm all by myself, I work that combination on my secret hideaway shelf. And I pull out some Fritos, 